You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Elevator's Cut. I'm one of your hosts, Roger Gaddis. And I'm your other host, Jason Wheeler. Today, we have a a guest with us uh, that's going to delve into a true zeitgeist. You know, we throw this term zeitgeist around sometimes, but this one, this really is a zeitgeist, isn't it? uh, we're, We're talking about the the stimulus plan, the PPP, the SBA loans, this goes by by many names and categories, but we know that it's it's been a topic of discussion amongst a lot of small businesses, in particular grain folks, grain businesses. So we wanted to have someone with a little more knowledge of the industry of loans. It's an, it's an old friend of the podcast. Uh, he's been on before. Uh, we got Jeff Reardon. Uh, on the on the call with us today, Jeff. Of For course, social distancing reasons, we can't have him in studio. <laughs> but this is the next best thing. Correct. And Jeff, for those that don't know, Jeff uh, was a banker for 20 years or so. Been with White Commercial for well over a decade now, and um, helping helping grain businesses in their relations with their banks and the financing and and uh, I mean the guy's got all sorts of uh, titles and I th- he's a CPA also. I mean, th- this guy uh, he knows his stuff. And so, rather than Roger and I getting uh, in here and on a heated political debate about uh, taking funds from the government, uh, we f- we figure we better just bring bring a uh, a mature voice to to set everything straight. So, Jeff, we appreciate you being on. Hey, thanks so much, Jason and Roger, for for letting me come back. You know, I I, uh, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, as you said, Jason, it's my job, my mission, if you will, at White Commercial, is to help our customers access capital, and really that's wherever that capital may be. And uh, and so that led you into the the uh, Paycheck Protection Program, right? I mean, that's that's what we wanted to talk about to begin with. And and really, I spent a long time as a banker, and uh, and we'll talk about some other things other than this program later, you know, specific to grain businesses. Uh, but really, I'd like to just start and say, look, patience. We need patience with this program. Uh, it was only approved. It was dreamed up, really, uh, March 27th. Uh, I think the Treasury is doing a great job of getting money out to the people. So this, this was a way, obviously, to keep people on the payroll rather than going through the unemployment process, which nobody wants to do, it's it's it's, uh, it's really rough um, on everybody, and we we feel for anybody that's going through that. Uh, but anyways, we're about accessing capital, so naturally, you know, I've, I've flowed the information to the treasury to to our office, and then that that went to the uh, to all of our customers. Um, but this was signed on on March 27th. Look, today it's April 14th. So it was dreamed up, basically, you know, we all saw it on TV on the 27th, said, hey, this is going to happen. Uh, and believe it or not, it's a $349 billion program that was actually rolled out on April 3rd. Once again, it's only April 14th today. 
so there's been, you know, I'm going to call it organized chaos, right? Um, you know, there was a lot of negotiation between the banks and the treasury uh, because of really lender liability. And, and maybe we'll get there, maybe we won't, you know, in this conversation. But, uh, but so they say, hey, there's $349 billion with a B available to small businesses uh, to take advantage of this program. You know, it's, it's specifically designed for payroll, but also we can cover some fixed expenses with it. Uh, but look, so far, as, uh, so far as of this morning, which as I said is the 14th, so I'm imagining the, you know, the 13th numbers, they've already approved over a million loans. And I listened to a politician this morning saying, hey, we got to refill the bucket because we've already allocated $240 billion. And guess what? You know, as soon as we allocate $349 billion, because that's what, what the program is for, uh, we can't approve any more loans. So I'm sure the Treasury is going to get to that, uh, you know, to make that happen. But, um, you know, once again, been talking to ag bankers all across America, you know, friends of agriculture, people that lend to grain businesses all over the U.S. And they're saying, please be patient. You know, this is a world of instant gratification. You know, as soon as we hear on TV that this money is available, we want it in our bank account. Hey, they said it's available. We want it in our account. Well, it requires a lot of individual actions by people to get that money to your business. You know, if you choose to apply for that, uh, whether it's a loan or a grant, you know, time will determine that. But uh, but the bankers I'm talking to say, look, we, they have gotten from application to approval. You know, they've seen in some cases they can get it in your bank account in five days, but they're telling their customers, please, you know, if you can allow it, think as though it's going to be two weeks before you get the money from the time you apply for it, and then you know, you'll be pleasantly surprised. You know, we're going to do everything we can to get it there at a time. So that's kind of the game plan uh, is to, you know, understand that there's a lot going on. And, uh, and, and now the farm credit system is now authorized. There's other smaller banks that weren't previously part of the SBA program that are now authorized. So it's going to become more readily available. Um, one of the things, you know, guys, I've, I've seen a tremendous pushback you know, when you, you turn on the TV or the Twitter box or whatever we're going to do. And uh, they say, you know, the people that have lending relationships, um, you know, are getting money faster. Or the people that have bank accounts with the banks are getting money faster. I can't access that. Well, I hate to say it, but that's how the world works, right? If, if you have an account with a bank, if you have a lending relationship with a lender, of course, you're, you're going to. I mean, it only makes sense, right? They're going to do it first come, first serve, and guess who was the first come, right? It was the people that had those relationships. And like it's the same way with grain, right? If you're in a situation like Harvest, I mean, I think about Harvest, for instance, and grain is coming at you from all over the place, who are you going to help first? Are you going to help the person that's been your customer for years? Or are you going to go to the person that's four counties away that, that, uh, you know, needs help, but they, you know, of course you're going to help your customer first. That's just, that's the, the, the way the world works, as I said. Yeah. Um, so I, I uh, and we're talking about this uh, in terms of what to expect, how you go about it, and, and what's going on behind the scenes that, you know, obviously uh, what you're addressing here. And the reason we are is because we've, surveyed some of our customers and and i uh i did an informal twitter survey which we all know is extremely scientific 
and uh, just asked people, hey, are you taking this loan? Are you not? Because because I've, I've heard people arguing like, I don't know if I should really take this. It's really for me. And anyways, long story short, 80, 90 percent easily are yes, grain of grain businesses are saying we're absolutely uh, applying for this and 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 all that. So I, I will say, you know, not that just, you know, just because, you know, all your friends are jumping off a cliff like mom always used to say. But I, I don't think they're jumping off a cliff or anything. But my point is the major overwhelming majority of folks in the grain business are doing this um uh, taking this these loans out and uh and but there has been some hesitance uh from some folks to saying i don't know if it's really for me or not um and some people just adamant like there's no way we're we're going to take this cuz it's it's not for me so um there's there's been some of that out there, but I will say, yeah, easily 80, 90 percent said, yes, we are. Uh, some said, I don't know. I'm still weighing if I'm going to or not. And then there were some that said, absolutely not. So uh, anyways, that's why we're kind of painting it in terms of when you apply, this is how it's going to work. <laughs> I guess. Correct. correct. And, and honestly, the, the lenders that I've talked to, and I, I think in preparation of this call, uh, I, I called six or seven lenders yesterday just to talk about the program and I don't know that maybe one or two or three of their customers had not applied or expressed interest in the program. Uh, but I think the number at the end of the day is going to be higher than that 80 to 90% that you yeah. alluded to. The, uh, it's the banks are your, in a lot of cases are trusted advisors of your business or, or, uh, you know, help you. And, and what what I've heard from from folks at, at different grain businesses, uh, small companies, um, that is that their bankers are actually the ones calling them and pushing them to do this. Is that is it is that right or consistent? Or are you seeing that, Jeff? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's yes, I'm definitely seeing that. That uh, um, it's in times of stress, uh, liquidity is always the benefit right and nobody knows what the world's going to bring but if the liquid if the worst case scenario is that the loan it turns into a loan and not a grant and it's at one percent um it's, it seems like a relatively cheap government-backed insurance policy so now you're saying worst case scenario and qualifier don't qualify so what's the what what's the uh, metric for that Right. You know, I I dug in on that a lot, Jason, with the different lenders and through the, I guess, the negotiation process. And, you know, like you said, you don't really see what's going on behind the scenes. But I'll tell you this, lenders were definitely worried about, you know, fraud, because if you look at the application, it's very uh, truncated. It's a, it's a short application. And I'm not saying everybody commits fraud. <laughs> Please don't say that. But when people do commit fraud, it is in times of stress, and this is certainly one of those. So, so that was a concern. Well, um, honestly, the the treasury has taken all of the risk in, in this case. Uh, they've taken it off the bank. So as long as the bank, you know, does the application right, it's reviewed and, and whatnot. Uh, it's up to the treasury to determine who who gets the not only the loan, but who gets the uh, the grant. Uh, so, as it's written, if you go onto the Treasury site, you know, 75% of the money 
that you apply for, you know, needs to go towards wages or things that go into wages, like, you know, your health insurance, uh, for instance, would be one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to, to turn that into uh, a grant. But, uh, but really, there hasn't been much guidance on what would um, exclude people at the end of the program. Uh, so, it seems like it's pretty straightforward. So tell me, so someone applies and they get this loan of money, say, say it comes in and they get go through the process, all that. And then, so then there's another point later where they decide, are we going to just make the, as you're saying, a grant, you don't have to pay it back or yes, you have to pay it back because, because the coronavirus didn't affect your business enough or whatever. Um, and if you do, it's at a 1% loan. So you're saying worst case scenario. I, I just want to make sure I'm capturing this correct. Yeah, so worst case that. scenario, Absolutely. this didn't this didn't affect your business. Uh, you don't really qualify to be given this money, but it's now a loan you can pay back at 1%, which is probably cheaper than the money you were, you were getting. Is that, is that right? That's, that's my understanding, and that's the people that I'm talking to. That's what they're telling me. Uh, okay. It's, it's, you know, but understand, like, it's, I'll go back to the dates, right? Uh, the 27th, it was dreamed up. March, today is April 14th. The 27th, it was dreamed up. It was rolled out on April 3rd. Many of the banks couldn't get it out on April 3rd because it was too fast, and they didn't understand, uh, you know, how it was going to work on the back end. Uh, there, there is no, um, there's nothing really in writing yet to determine how it works on the back end. I don't believe um, they they haven't seen that. You know, they they've said, hey, this other program works, but everything's a negotiation, right? I mean, it's the federal government, so we have to understand they're trying to help, but at the same time, you know, that's that is who is running the program. Okay, Jeff. So you've kind of uh, gave us the overview uh, from the side of the the people receiving the funds. So what uh, what's in it for the banks? How what how do they uh, what's their role in all this? So Roger, you're saying that the banks probably want to make money somehow. I think I think that's. Uh, I would assume that's what they're investing <laughs> for. So I'm going to go with that premise. They are an essential business, yeah. so. You know. <laughs> you're you're yeah, right. Take care uh, they have they have people in overhead, and yes, they are uh, they are trying to make money. Um, so with this loan, it's the the bank is going to receive as a fee somewhere between three and five percent of the loan amount. Um, so it depends on the site, you know, there's a sliding scale for that, but, uh, but they will get the fee for that. And, um, and you know, there's, they're going to be servicing. If it turns into a loan, obviously they're going to, uh, uh, be servicing that loan as well. And they set the interest rate at that at 1%. So it's clearly a little bit under the market and the, uh, actually the smaller banks, you know, everybody has a cost of funds. And the smaller banks just, I mean, honestly, they couldn't do it for a half a percent. You know, when they were originally trying to roll it out, if you remember, it was going to be a half a percent for an interest rate. And now it's at one. And that was specifically, you know, not everybody has, has an incredibly cheap cost of funds. So, um, so that is set there as well. But yeah, they're not, they're not in it. And, and hopefully, and hopefully you can see and, and the world sees that. The bankers, you know, they're spending the weekends working on this. The people I talked to were, uh, you know, they weren't, um, they were, because of the virus, they're home anyway, right? Uh, or, or working, uh, but, uh, but they spent, they're spending a lot of time on this. 
and that that three to five percent that's that's not paid by the borrower is what you're saying right so that that'll come from the treasury or whatever right correct yeah and, I, and i'll say uh some of that is going to be indirectly paid by the borrowers most likely <laughs> right you know, right obviously it doesn't come from nowhere <laughs> yeah through taxes and inflation and whatever else but but yeah and and the so we get to the end it's a it becomes a one percent loan let's say they say you know hey this you know you weren't affected enough by the coronavirus so now it's a one percent loan is it it how long do you have to pay it back or is this just something you negotiate with your bank or what it's, it looks like it's a two-year loan right now. That's okay. um, that's what I'm seeing on the documents originally. They were talking 10. And I just want to go back. But, and it could be that what you just said was true, but I don't know that. Uh, you know, you said, hey, weren't affected enough by the virus. I don't know that that's a parameter to turn it into a grant, right? Okay. Um, the, the This thing is so new that there's talk you know, there's there's a lot of talk around that, but none of the people that I talked to have actually seen a document that states that so far, all the document says is use it for payroll and, you know, uh, it'll turn into a grant. It, it, I'm not saying that what you just said isn't true, that, you know, there is some sort of, of parameter. I just don't know that to be true yet. It might be, gotcha. you know, I don't, I don't work for the Fed. So. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Is it any other stuff? Uh, so this PPP payroll protection program, right? And you've thrown another P at us, which is patience. So there we go. We we should be be patient with it. But uh, but they're rolling out pretty quick, and uh, uh, through and it's through SBA loans and, and and all that. Now, does uh, are there are there any other stipulations or things people should be aware of in this process? Or because we've 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 uh. We've gone through a lot here, but um, did, did we leave yeah, anything? I, I just like to, to yeah. The, yeah, the people that I'm talking to are saying, look, keep in mind that it's going to be the customer's responsibility to track the funds. You know, if we're using it towards payroll, make sure you're tracking it. Don't don't lose the spreadsheet that you track it on, or you know, if it's a separate account or however you're doing it, uh, make sure that you track it because if it's audited or however they determine it at the end, it'd be nice to have all that information. So the better records you keep, uh, I think the more sleep you'll get it well as well. So. Gotcha. That's, that's always good. A good tip. And so we have one more P here and that's proceed, which is what we're going to do with this episode here and uh, shift gears from uh, triple P to uh, another thing of three. Um, that was recently a, a point of discussion that Jeff you've had with some folks here recently and uh, we thought it would be a really good idea to, to have you talk about it uh, on the episode today and it is um, items uh, that people should be aware of when they're talking with their banker you know when it comes from a small business standpoint specifically a green business standpoint and I think we'll get into that here a little bit with you and, and let you kind of expound on what uh, what I'm terribly trying to say here. <laughs> right on, Roger. Hey, uh, there has to be something actionable for us, right? And, uh, you know, as we talk to our lenders, I think the first part of this program, you know, I may have sounded more like a lender, but what I was trying to do is just communicate, right? And here, 
I'm going to step into the grant company's shoes. And the first thing I want to talk about is personal guarantees. So events like this, obviously, this, it, this really makes you look at your life and your business really in a different light. It, it, it turns things around a little bit. And, uh, and I've had a number of conversations about, in my mind, things that really matter long term, like personal guarantees, for instance. Because when you go to the bank, what do they do? They say, hey, if you want this, you have to give us an unlimited personal guarantee. And if you're an independent operator, right, we're talking to the independent operators. But think about it, though, you know, because we have one grain elevator on one side that's independent with an unlimited personal guarantee because they, you know, they're, they're, you know, it's a family business uh, or, you know, a group of partners. Anyway, and you have another business balance sheet exactly the same that's a cooperative that doesn't necessarily have the same unlimited personal guarantee, right? So you have two very similar businesses, but one has every penny you have made is in, in whatever endeavors you have. It now serves as a guarantee for the loan that you have with the bank for the grain company. And, uh, and what I say, I mean, the lenders are trying to protect against moral hazards. We get that. Uh, but what I'm saying is negotiate. Uh, has to be negotiated. I think there needs to be a limit on the personal guarantee. And I understand many of our customers are just getting into the business, right? They go from a farm to a grain elevator, a farm to a seed mill to a grain elevator, you know, as, as they're growing. And, you know, when you're in that front stage, the bank is going to ask you for everything. They're going to ask you for this unlimited personal guarantee. They're, they're going to ask you for other things to guarantee this loan. Um, but what I'm saying is your business grows, right? And you're, you, you go through, originally you're a startup. Then you're, you're uh, you know, in, in that area where you're, you've become successful. You know, you're part of the community. But, you know, so that, that should have a different type of personal guarantee attached to it, right, from you as an owner. And what about, when you be, you're in that that next stage and you're just a cash machine, right? You know, you're at that stage. You've made it, right? You know, you, you've done the growing. You've uh, and and you're you're doing very well financially. Should the personal guarantee be the same? So what I'm saying is, whatever stage you're in, understand that stage, and that personal guarantee is something that should be discussed. And maybe there could be metrics that you could set up and say, hey, when I get to this point on a certain financial metric, then we're going to lower that. And, and, you know, so you get yourself targets to where, you know, maybe you don't have to put 100% personal guarantee in it. Yeah, that's a really uh, good point. We see that, that it's it's funny how y used to be, you know, back in 08 and everything, it was kind of the reverse of that is they ended up loaning more than they had collateral for uh, banks in a lot of times. And now we've kind of, you know, it can, if you're, if you're not paying attention, like you said, it can go back and, and go work the opposite way. And you have just way too much guarantee for what they're loaning you. Right. Right on. I mean, you know, I'm glad you brought collateral into this because I think that the collateral is the same discussion, right? You, when you start your startup, look, your farm ground, you know, Pretty much everything you have is going to be used as collateral, and they may not even use your uh, your grain inventory as a startup, right? You know, mm -hmm. we've seen that 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 sometimes the grain inventory isn't part of the discussion at the beginning. But guess what? As you become established, 
that grain inventory is now going to become collateral. Maybe they're going to use warehouse receipts. You know, there's a lot of different ways to structure that. But um, but what I'll say is collateral should also be negotiated. Uh, as as we start companies, we have uh, typically it's it's a, a producer moving into this space in the middle. Uh, you know, whether it's Steve Miller, Grain Elevator. And uh, they'll call it a grain company. And what they've done is they've, they've put up every piece of ground that the family has ever owned and, and owns today as collateral. Well, I say at different points as your business, you know, depending on what cycle you're in, uh, you need to start carving that collateral out. Once again, it's a negotiation. It's no different than negotiating a credit line or, you know, the, the end amount on the credit line or the interest rate on a loan. It needs to be negotiated, and I think most banks, as you have those discussions, you know, will help you to come up with targets if they say, hey, I can't do that right now. But if you get to this point with a certain financial metric, then, you know, we can, we can let go of some collateral. And I, I do think long-term, that's a discussion that carries a lot of weight. Yeah. And it's always hard, I, I think, from a small business, you don't – I guess you don't know what the market is at, at large and what people ask for. You know, your bank says we take, you know, we need this percentage of that and, and all that. And um, you don't know what standard out there. And I, I know that's something that you've helped a lot of folks with, Jeff, is is understanding like, OK, the standard deal is they should not be asking for that much or that this is about where you should be. And just understanding what what the market at large would require in your situation is, is always a good thing to have some perspective on that. And uh, that's something I know you work a, a lot with a, a huge value you bring to, to folks is, uh, is just that, right? Well, th Jason, thank you. And that's honestly, I came to white commercial and I, I, I got to come to our master management conference before I was hired on a white commercial. And when I saw the sharing of information, and it, it comes from the group itself, right? We, you know, we have close to 300 grain companies that share a great deal of information. And uh, I'm just a conduit for that, right? So when people, you know, when we talk, I, I will ask those questions. And it helps me to uh, help the next person, right? You know, that this worked for, for this person and, uh, and, of course, without using any names. So hopefully we can determine a way that we can make it work for you. Uh, but yeah, it's all about the group, and you know, you see that with the merchandising development team at White Commercial, and I think Phil has done a really good job of you know just bringing that not only in the finance section, but also you know to basis trading and buy bases, sell bases, and spreads, right? That's right. And it takes money to do it, and you want as cheap a money as you can get. Am I right? Uh, you are right. <laughs> you are right. Well, hey. Something else, you know, I really wanted to touch on one other thing. Okay. And I see this a lot because, I, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to be involved in, in the succession planning to a degree. And, uh, and you know, if, if somebody's going to exit the business or, you know, acquire a new asset, I can be involved in that as well. Uh, but what I'm going to say is don't, look, you hear this all the time, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, I don't, know, I don't know how else to say it than that. I think everybody probably gets that, but I think we need to hear it over and over again uh, because when I look at, at uh, companies as a whole, 
you know, keep in mind your depository accounts, like, like what we're going through right now, you want to make sure those accounts are sure, right? Uh, you know, so make sure they are. Make sure the, the guidelines that, you, that you're in a good place there. Uh, you also want to make sure that not, every, not all of your assets are in the business. Now, there's a time when they have to be. But if you're talking about succession or you're, you know, you're getting on to that, that, you know, well, I'll say you're basically a cash generating machine, you know, type business, then I really encourage you to make sure that you look at the whole picture. You know, I hear all the time, I have no long-term business debt. And, and my, my next question is, great, is your retirement fully funded? You know, how are you going to support yourself when you transfer your business to your daughter or your son? Um, is, is the income going to come from the business? Is there another way to structure it that it doesn't have to come from the business? Right. Uh, so, so I fully encourage people to, you know, look at the whole picture, not just the business. And we know we need to keep assets in the business. Uh, when I was a banker, I loved having assets in the business, but now, you know, kind of sitting on the other side, I want to make sure that, um, you know, the transition's easier when you don't have to take uh, a, a huge sum of money from the business, uh, you know, to, to pay, you know, for your retirement that you rightfully earned. Uh, so, Anyway, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Definitely review that with your bank and your CPA, you know, moving forward. Yeah, that's huge for sure. You know, Jason, one other thing that we didn't talk about, and shame on me for not doing it, you know, is uh, when interest rates go lower, I encourage people to take, if you are going to have long-term debt, if you're going to have these capital improvement projects, you know, we'll call it CapEx, if, if you know what that number is for the future, whatever that number is, then, and you can get cheap money, then you have an opportunity. Now, it may not be the right thing, but it's something to consider to take uh, money, you know, to renegotiate your long-term debt for longer terms and lower interest rates. You know, if you have that opportunity, you know, you should definitely review that option. Absolutely. I know. Uh, we we got a few customers for sure looking at at renegotiating their their rates now that that stuff's lower and and uh, but yeah like you said even forward looking and and knowing you're going to need money down the road that's a that's a really good good uh, good point. It all goes back to the saying everything's negotiable until you sign on the dotted line, right? So true, Roger. So true. Okay, well, I think we have hit all the the points we wanted to hit today, and hopefully kept it to a reasonable time constraints here. But we, man, we as always, we really appreciate Jeff coming in. I I know uh, the last podcasts he did with us uh, turned out to be very popular, and we love popular podcasts. So of course we invited him back, and uh, and this was this was excellent. We got a lot of great info out of this. I think. Um, so Jeff, I really appreciate you taking the time with us today and and covering this stuff. It was an honor to be with you guys again. Thank you so much. All right. So if anybody um, would like uh, to chat with Jeff about anything with with your business or whatever, feel free to reach out to us. We'll get you in touch with him. Uh, you have to go through us. We are the gatekeeper to Jeff Reardon. Just remember that the elevator's cut. Jeff Reardon's gatekeeper. Is that, am I saying that right, Jeff? Is that correct? <laughs> Absolutely.
absolutely. It, feel, it feels right. <laughs> I don't, I don't personal better. <laughs> Friend of the show. Or they could just a lot call of things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, friends with benefits, if you will. So, yeah, we appreciate nope. you, man. <laughs> nope. But, but uh, anyways, that from the uh, recording, <laughs> we uh, uh, Randy, Randy will get it. So, anyways, we uh, we really appreciate you, and uh, and yeah, for sure, guys, reach out to us uh, at Elevators Cut on Twitter. That's that's the way to do it. And we'd love. And you to, also have your own personal Twitter account. We all three do, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. That's true. So at Elevators Cut is the way to uh, to reach out to the show. <laughs> but and that Hog Wheeler for Jason and uh, Reardon is at, at Jeff Reardon five three zero, and I'm at Weevil Hog. Fantastic. This is how you circumnavigate the gatekeepers, by the way. <laughs> little, little hot tip. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, we uh, Jeff Jeff is always excellent at these conversations. If you want to, you know, talk about stuff uh, more more personally uh, about your business, uh, individual, I guess um, he's he's a great great contact to have in the business for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, he can he can keep you abreast of everything going on in the financial realm and and where you should be at and help you with stuff. So he's he's an awesome awesome thing. I know has helped uh, many many folks uh, over his many, many years uh, in the grain world. So appreciate that and appreciate you guys listening. Please like and uh, subscribe and all the other things you can do that are positive towards our podcast. Please do those things. And, um, and, and yeah, feel free to reach out anytime. Uh, I'd love to hear from you because we're all sitting in our houses and we're, we're sad and we need personal interaction. Uh, so. And booze. <laughs> and the booze. So yeah, we appreciate it. And, uh, and thanks as always. And we'll, we'll catch you next time, I, I guess. So, but for Roger, I'm Jason. I'm Jason. I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to the Elevators Cut. Out. Oh.